1: The Manage Smarter Show is brought to you by SalesCred, the app that helps salespeople discover why they miss quota and what to do about it. Find out more at salescred.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast.
2: There are 11 laws of likability and a former guest that we had on, we've had her back because she is the premier authority on this, but 11 laws. Did you know that?
1: Yeah, well, I do now. And, and you know, the thing is, is that people like to do business with, with people who they know, like, and trust. So that means that you, you need to be known, you need to be likable, and you need to be trustworthy. So it, when I saw the book, The 11 Laws of Likability, and then I saw it was from, you know, uh, a previous guest of ours, i like, that had to have her on the show to talk about
2: it. Yeah, he was all over me. Get her back on! So, uh, <laughs> welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel.
1: And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the CEO and founder of Sales Fuel.
2: And she is likable and trustworthy, and we are so pleased to have her back. Michelle Tillis-Letterman is back at our microphones. Hi, Michelle. Hi. Thank you for coming. We feel like you're rescuing us on this topic because it's very important, but a lot of people don't really break it down in the granular way that you do, so we'll get right to it. But for those of you who don't know Michelle, you need to know her, one of Forbes' top 25 networking experts and an MG100 coach, author four books, actually, including uh, the internationally known 11 Laws of Likability," also The Connector's Advantage, and several others you can find on her website, michelletillisletterman.com. Michelle is a connection creator and the CEO of a business called Executive Essentials, which provides customized communications and leadership programs for Fortune 500, nonprofit, university, and government clients. A former finance executive and NYU professor, Michelle is a regular in the media and the big media, I might add, NBC, CBS, Fox, NPR, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, CNBC, and more. We are very lucky to have you on our show, let me tell you after that. And you're known for helping people work better together in advancing their individual impact. So what the heck made you tackle this topic and write the book? That's the first question I have. Out of everything you could have written about and all your expertise. Well, I'm so glad that you think I'm likable because I'm not sure I always felt that I was.
0: Mm. Um, (laughs) You know, the truth is, I think I was a bit polarizing of a personality. Um, You know, I'm a small girl that had a big personality and some people loved it and others did not. And it was always very clear. There was not a lot of middle ground. And I was like, what am I doing to cause this kind of reaction? And so I wanted to kind of uh, research and discover and uncover um, kind of what drives likability. And And I started to think about what do we do before, during, and after a conversation to enable connection to form. And, and hopefully I have taken a lot of my own lessons and have become more likable.
1: <laughs> well, let's drill down on that. So what do you do before, during, and after then to make yourself... Uh, have the opportunity to be more likable?
0: So th- that literally is the flow of the whole book. For <laughs> me, <laughs> for me the, the thread of everything is authenticity because you can't like somebody who's not being real. So that's Mm -hmm. kind of where we start with the foundation. And then we talk about kind of your own mindset and there is the the balancing act between the law of self-image, how we see ourselves and the law of perception, how others see us. And it's to me, the opposite side of the same coin Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and kind of rounding out that that mindset piece and that pre-work, so to speak, is the law of energy, which is actually the first chapter I wrote because the guy I hired to work on a proposal with me, didn't get it. And so I said, let me just write the whole chapter for you to understand. And, you know, energy is contagious. So we need to understand where our energy is and how to access productive energy, what our natural energy responses are. Um, and so all of that kind of happens, you know, within ourselves to put us into that position in that place to then have a conversation.
1: Mm-mm. Okay. So let's talk about like the things that you, that could be restricting energy. Uh, so Audrey asked, asked me an interesting question before we actually started to show, which is, you know, how do you know that you're, whether or not you're not being likable or is that you're just an introvert because you're uncomfortable with the situation I and therefore, mm-hmm. yeah, you're, you're blocking that positive energy that, that that perhaps you might have.
0: Some of the best um, connectors and the most likable people are introverts. You know, I have actually a section of the book called Good News for the Introvert. Oh, yeah. You know, here's the thing. Introverts have some unique natural gifts when it comes to connection. They're excellent listeners, right? They're not off-putting because they are a little bit more reserved. So they're not coming on too strong like, you know, this extrovert here (laughs) who who can definitely make people literally back up from them, including my now husband when I first met him. Uh, (laughs) He said, I was a little intense um, and he's an introvert, Um, but also introverts um, are better in the one-on-one and that's really where connections form. Mm -hmm. So don't worry about, you know, being the life of the party or a social butterfly, really just put yourself in a position to connect and to be curious about the person who you are with and that interest in somebody else, that genuine curiosity, is what you bring to the table naturally as an introvert, where your stretch is, is to be willing to share of yourself. And so introverts and extroverts have different strengths that they bring to the table and different stretches that they need to have. So, you know, own what works for you in connection. And I wanna challenge all my introverts out there to think about when you start a conversation, right? So the middle section of the book is how to have the conversation. It's literally the anatomy of a conversation. And I always say, when you don't know where to start, start by being curious. But I want you to ask a question you actually want to know the answer to and that you would be willing to answer yourself Mm -hmm. because that way you are also going to give to the conversation and not just pull from it. That's the introvert side, but just to not leave my extroverts out, whereas you might be really great at sharing, you need to make sure that you're focusing on listening and eliciting Mm -hmm. more information and being curious about the other and not just giving to them. So you can see we need both. And it's not an interview,
1: all right? It's it's So it's not like you've got five questions lined up that you want to ask. It's like, ask one question or whatever, listen to the answer intently all the way through, and then let that be your guide to a follow-up question. Is that good advice, you think?
0: And that's the probing, right? So the chapter, one of the laws is the law of curiosity. And within there, we start to learn the different types of probing questions so it doesn't feel like a machine gun interrogation with the lights
2: glaring in my face. Yeah. <laughs> Now, let me back up the bus. I've said that before in several minutes. I am gonna er, we'll Go back to something. As long as I'm said. not under it, the go f- ahead. The <laughs> first thing you said, Michelle, was that your authentic self. So like, you know, when I go to a mixer, I'll think, well, my bullshit detector's on and I can spot somebody who's, you know, faking it to make it or whatever. What's the definition yeah. of the authentic self? How do I know that I'm being authentic? And if I'm not, what do I do to fix that? I might be like, well, I'm trying to be, you know, like just myself. I don't know. You know, sometimes it is challenging um, to
0: understand, am I stretching myself and putting myself into a growth opportunity mm-hmm. and I'm still being authentic, but yet it can be a little uncomfortable or am I uncomfortable because I'm not being authentic?
2: There you go. One summary of the book that I read talked about the fact that it's it's all, it's about connecting with the people on emotions rather than a transactional business conversation. Can you expand on that a little bit? Can you repeat that? But you talk about likability and building connections through being more likable and being a better listener to the other person that you're in this mixer with or this office party or whatever it is. Building business connections is more about relationships and emotions and less transactional as a result of this work that you do with yourself. And and that's the word I wanted to hone in on was transactional, Mm -hmm. right? So
0: a lot of times when people are building relationships, they're doing it for a purpose. And at one point somebody called me like anti-networker because I hated the word networking. And I'm like, it's got the word work in it. It's so (laughs) off putting like who wants to do that? And I think it's because when we do this thing called networking, we're doing it for a reason. I need a client. I need a job. I, I, you know, I, I, right? There's something behind it. And that's when it starts to feel ickier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you are actually thinking about it as connecting and it's not just at this event, but you're doing it in all aspects, in all places. Like I had met a, a woman who I'm still connected to, worked for a big financial institution. She just started there on the field trip for my son's fourth grade class to the Jersey shore. Right. And it's in environments when you don't, when you're not trying, sometimes when the best connections form. So it's shifting your perspective on the relationship building approach to life and prioritizing those relationships, then thinking about, okay, I need something, go, you know? <laughs> Which
1: law is it? Is it, yeah, is, it the, is it? is it the law of familiarity or the law of association where you're trying to find common things you have in common with another person so that then you can talk about those things and and use that as a basis for a, you know, for a friendship or a connection?
0: It's really the law of similarity. And one of the laws of similarity is the law of association, right? So that's kind of a sub law, we call it. Okay. But the idea is that we don't connect on what we do We connect on what we like to do Mm -hmm, and what we care about doing and our common causes and experiences and people and places and, um, you know, and passions and hobbies and all of those things. That's what we connect on. So I almost want you guys to be detectives and approach a conversation with that, you know, curiosity of that detective work of finding, I know we have something that we will connect on. We just haven't found it yet.
2: I like that. What are the ways that you advise people to avoid coming across as you say manipulative or self-serving? Obviously starting off a conversation with some hard sell is to be avoided, but what else, what are some of the other mistakes people make?
0: (laughs) Sometimes I say go personal before you go professional. And Mm. I don't mean super deep personal, right? (laughs) I don't mean pry and be like, you know, whoa. Um, (laughs) I, I simply mean talking about, The things that are just the weather, the light, the building of rapport topics, Mm -hmm. the, those, those finding those common interests, or did you watch the game or did you watch that reality show or whatever it might be that we can have a fun conversation on that might make me interested enough to find out more about you. Mm -hmm. So start, um, You know, start light, start personal, and also start by thinking about how you can be a value to the other person versus how they can be a value to you.
1: So this is Manage Smarter. And I had a manager once who was so consumed with being liked by their staff that This person would not, you know, would would let their staff get away with everything and not, not, you know, enforce company policies and not call somebody out when, when they weren't doing their job and everything like that. Is there a limit to likability as a point where you can say, "Eh, you can be likable, but not, but this is extreme and this is going too far.
0: I don't think what they were doing was likable. Tell me more. (laughs) So letting yourself um, be walked on, not, um, not speaking up for what is right in a situation those are not likable qualities Mm -hmm. um for it to me right and what's likable to me is might be likable to somebody else so we all have our own definitions of likable and what we need to do is enable people to see what's likable about us it's not the same things but that approach to me is not likable people always say which is more important likability or respect and i'm like those two things are not mutually exclusive agreed And I think we need to stop making it a a either or this person was losing respect by not, um, you know, having a backbone (laughs) by not having the strength of a leadership position by not delivering messages that people need to hear. Right. I might not like working for somebody who's not going to give me information that's going to help me grow because they're too scared that it might hurt my my feelings. That's not I don't like I don't like that. Right? So we need to kind of think about what is not what not what I define as likable, but what does the other person define as likable because likability is in the eyes of the beholder. So all yeah. that
1: great advice for managers, really great.
2: Perception is everything. uh, Think of all the damage perception is done in the workplace, whether it be from somebody reporting to you or if you're managing up somebody above you. But you talked about creating value in the relationship. If we connect on something we both like and we spend time together, um, what are the ways that you advise? I know you say you want to create, have your likability spill through to where this person wants to spend more time with you and remembers you long after that initial meeting at the mixer or the networking event. How do you do that? So the post conversation Mm -hmm. is
0: familiarity, giving, and patience, right? Those are the three laws post conversation. So the idea of familiarity is to um, get in their mind, but not in their face. So in the anatomy of the conversation, when we're thinking about curiosity, listening, law of similarity and law of mood memory, right within that context you want to think about before you end that conversation, what's my next point of contact?
2: Okay.
0: So that takes you right into the law of familiarity so that we have another point of contact. And sometimes even if I could give them an answer or connect to them right then and there, I want to drag it out a little bit because I want the the showing back up in their mind by showing back up in their inbox or showing it back in the LinkedIn profile or whatever it might be, finding that next point of contact. And in that conversation, part of the detective work is not just what do we have in common, but how can I help you? What are you working on? What are you interested about? You know, it could be a vacation and, hey, I've been there. Let me give you some recommendations of things to do. It doesn't have to be professional value. Um, You know, it could be a plumber. It could be uh, an invitation to to an event that you're not going to, but
2: that you think they might be interested in.
1: You know, super connector is great for likability, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I love super connectors. It, give us the definition of mood memory for people who haven't read the book. What does that mean? Mood memory is the idea that people remember far more
0: how you make them feel mm. than I, anything that you've said. Mm. So, when you walk away from the conversation, and especially towards the end of the conversation, it's really key as you close the conversation down. You could have a great conversation, but if you make them feel dismissed at the end, that mood memory is shot. Right? And then they feel like, hmm. so you want to make sure that at the end of that conversation, you are stating what your follow up might be. Um, you might invite them to the next thing. Like I'm, all, I'm always visualizing those old timey in person networking events that we used to go to hmm. when we were like, how do I get out of this conversation? I'm, I'm done here, right?
1: Yeah, drinking one hand and a plate full of cheese in the other hand. <laughs> it's like-
0: you know, and and I actually give a whole lot of ways in the book of how to extract yourself from the conversation. Or what I actually prefer is expand the conversation, meaning you invite somebody else into the conversation. Yeah, that changes the one. dynamic of it. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's talk about. you mentioned authenticity as the common thread that, that runs throughout.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: let's talk about humble bragging and people on social media. How do you get to be more likable on social media?
0: By being real, I will tell you, you know, I have this professional Facebook page and my personal Facebook page, and I thought I needed to separate them. And I kind of wish I never did that because, you know, on Instagram and on other pages, I don't differentiate. And I will tell you, even on LinkedIn, which is a very professional platform, you know, every once in a while, I'll put a post. Like I just shared a post. I'm doing a walkathon for uh, the Lupus Research Alliance. My oh, wow. son was diagnosed uh, during the pandemic and it was very, very serious and, and he was very ill. And mm-hmm. I shared it on LinkedIn. I got more engagement in that post than in any of the professional posts I do. People want to see all facets of you. And so if you want to be likable on social media, don't just show one side of you. And, you know, I don't want to see 10 million posts about your dinner, unless you're a chef, maybe, <laughs> you know, or a food critic. That's reasonable.
1: Or only the greatest hits. You know, I want, to, I want to see, you know, I want to see the struggle too.
0: Like, I mean, not everything should be of pictures of my dogs. Like there <laughs> needs to be some variety to show the roundedness um, of the different facets of you. So that you have me intrigued, that you have me
2: curious, that you have me wanting to know more. I totally agree with that, and I cop to the fact that I do post my dog too often. Okay, and I, I post too that...
1: too much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, yeah. well, my Audrey... dog turned ten yesterday, so I did a big uh, post. There you go. I'm going to go
1: look <laughs> at. Audrey, that you talk you... about the the three the third the, the three rails, you know, of things that we should should not talk about. <laughs>
2: Sex, religion, politics, I keep out of my feeds. I try to just keep them out of my feeds. And, Is, you know, my social media feeds, personal and professional. Because um, I just find like, it just, it's, I don't know. It's just, yeah, the, the three-third rails. What's it's almost like that, a Michelle? magnet for,
1: for, for people to disagree with you and to not like you because it, you, you, they don't agree with your political views, your religious beliefs or whatever. Is that, we being overly sensitive about that or, or are we on
0: track?
2: Or do you think yeah. those enhance your feed or just stay away from them? Like old school. When I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. was,
0: was I will say, a little bit of a different time. We were not as polarized a society as we are today. Um, and yet, even there, I said, be careful. Okay, right? good. Yeah. Tread lightly. I also say tread lightly with humor because mm-hmm. humor doesn't translate globally, you know, the way it, it has in the past. So be careful with some of those third rail topics, but I don't think they have to be banished. Okay, But I think when we are, you know, dipping our toe in choppy waters, you have to enter a conversation like that with an openness to, um, to being influenced, an openness to embracing different views, to be curious about what is what is behind something so that you can at least show somebody that you heard them, you listened. You don't have to agree, but you can appreciate them willing to share and to inform, educate, and be open to hearing an alternate perspective.
2: Yeah, I think there could be a lot more of that going on, the openness to an alternate perspective. I think if we Um, could navigate that conversation a little bit better and not be so afraid of it, maybe we wouldn't be so polarized. Maybe. After this show, we're all going to be canceled. So there you go. (laughs) Just for saying that. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Only Um, by half the audience. (laughs) The book has
2: um, self-assessment quizzes, right, Michelle? Anecdotes, um, kind of like, you know, lots of tips and stuff. So, I mean, I encourage everybody to get it. As far as clients and what is your dance card chock full? Are you looking for new clients? On the website, everybody, michelletillisletterman.com.
0: Oh, well i appreciate that and from there you can also find all those other links and social
2: media yes. and blogs it's a and great website LinkedIn.
0: yeah I, I actually just started a linkedin newsletter so that's a great place nice. to find me i'm enjoying i'm enjoying that um dance card is um has got a little bit of space but not okay, a whole babe. lot yeah, um, great. but you know for me it's really about who i want to work with And sometimes you find space for the people you want to work with and work for. So I never, I always say second section of the book is always have the conversation. You never know where it's going to lead. And sometimes if I'm not the fit, I know someone who is, and I'm always happy to make those connections. Fantastic.
1: My last question is what makes a good question?
0: (laughs) Uh, A few things. (laughs) One is it's open-ended. Right. So it allows somebody the freedom to take it someplace. Um, you know, two is you actually want to know the answer to it. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't have that curiosity, that interest, then it's not a good question because you just don't care about the answer.
2: I love that. You guys remember I'm dating myself, that old political show on PBS. And he'd say, what do you think of the presidency? And I go, blah, blah, blah. And he'd go wrong. Michelle, no. what do you want to say? Yes, yeah. he would say yes or you're wrong. <laughs> that is not the way to behave, people. So, Michelle that is a you. way to get ratings
0: maybe, but not maybe. a way to make friends. It certainly <laughs> was.
2: <laughs> thank you so much for coming back on the show. We appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.